welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by lead pastor Robert Herber. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. All right, good morning, good morning. This is a big, important Sunday for us. And I have been dreaming about this since the first service of all peoples almost 10 years ago. In fact, I've been dreaming about this Sunday for 21 years. Uh, From the summer I spent studying abroad in London, England, I remember the evening where I was in the underground tube, came up into one of the big squares, Piccadilly Circus, and I'm just thinking that I'm going to attend a a movie that night, but I had an encounter with a foreshadowing of destiny as I came up out of the tube, and there's a sea of humanity. The square was just crawling with people, and of course there are many Europeans, but then there was big population of Africans and Asians and South Americans, and there was all kinds of affair going on from the different ethnicities. There was a little Peruvian wood flute band that people were gathered around. There was a, a breakdancing group, and there were all these homeless people. And, and in the center was this shining, loving, light-bringing group of Christians. They had these Jesus orange highlighter-colored shirts on. And here they are. They're handing out food to the homeless. They're answering questions of people that were coming up to them. They were praying for people. And at that moment, God just did something in my heart, stamped my heart with, this is where Christians belong. In In the center of the crossroads of humanity, in the in the place where the ethnicities are coming together, this is what it would look like to have Revelation 7, 9, every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue gathered, rich and poor alike, children and and old. What would a church be like? And I believe that was the seed of all people's church planted in my heart in 1997. And I dreamed about what what would a church look like and what would a facility look like that was accessible to all people? And, and today, as I conclude the Life of David series, we've been talking about building a healthy life. I'm excited to look at, at the end of his life, but I'm also excited to make maybe the most monumental announcement of our church's history. And it's not for those of you that have asked that Steph and I are pregnant again. That's, that's not it. I've heard all kinds of speculations on this announcement. So let's look at 1 Kings chapter 8, because here's the deal. David, as we finish his, his story of his life, you have this crazy thing in Acts 13, 22 that God says about him. He says, he's a man after my own heart. And he goes down in history as a friend of God. And you're thinking, how is this possible? Because this guy just blew it over and over again. He commits adultery. Then he has the woman who commits adultery with Her husband, he plots to murder him, and he has him killed, and then he does all kinds of prideful things, and then he really messes up with his children, and there's all kinds of dysfunction. But yet at the end of his life, he fulfilled the purposes of God. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a friend of God. And here's one glimpse into his life today that's not talked about much, but I believe it's one of the reasons why he was so close to God's heart. And you see it, 1 Kings 8 
Solomon, his son, is talking about him. He says, my father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. For the Lord had said to my father David, you did well to have it in your heart to build a temple for my name. David longed to be with God. Like he loved God's presence and he loved it so much that he was just dreaming of a place where God's presence could rest 24-7 and that many people could go and experience what he had experienced. And you see that if we flip back the book before 2 Samuel 7, starting verse 1, it says, after the king was settled in his palace, that's David, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. Now here's what I know about people is it's natural for us to be concerned about our well-being. Do I have a home to live in? Do I have food to eat? Do, do I have my basic necessities taken care of? Like that is normal for every human. But a loving human looks towards the needs of those they love. It's my spouse taken care of. Are my children provided for? Some even take it a step further. Are my friends taken care of? Do they have what they need? And I love what we see in David's heart. He took it to the next step. Is God provided for? Does God have a place to dwell? David had in his heart, I, I believe he had this longing in his heart. God, I want to set aside a place that you can come and rest. Like I want a place where your name is revered all the time, where you feel welcome, where you can just be free to be you. God, can we make that for you? I tell you, that's my heart's desire. I don't want to just be about my own little life or even my family's little prosperity. I want to be a person who says, God, you're the giver of life. You're the giver of breath. You're the giver of salvation. God, we want to make a place for you. That's the kind of church I want to have. I want us to be a place that says, God, we want to make a room for you to inhabit 24-7. So this is what happens. It says, but that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I've not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I've moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and I appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
What does this text say? It says that the people of God were on this journey. He had delivered them from Egypt, and as they went, they were with God. He taught them as they were on journey with him. Now, if you haven't been a part of this church for a long time, let me just tell you, we're a people that have been on a long journey. <clears throat> Over the past 10 years, we've been a mobile church. We've met in, actually, I've lost track of how many places we've met in as a church. And as that's been happening, God's been teaching us lessons. And we began by meeting in my little living room right next to state campus, and he was teaching us about being a family and eating together and sharing our lives together. He moved us from there. We outgrew that. We moved to a little auditorium at Horace Mann Middle School, and, and we learned about being a church that was really caring for the poor as people from all different walks of life started coming in, and we grew from there, and God was teaching us about how to see numerous people come to salvation. He moved us to Crawford High School written up as the most diverse school in the whole nation. And from there, we became a church of now we have over 55 nations represented in this church. The, every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue gathered in, in City Heights. He moved us to San Diego State. He moved us over to Helix. He moved us to the Oregon Pavilion. I mean, it's been dizzying, but God has been teaching us these, these lessons of simplicity. He's been teaching us the lessons of humility. He's been teaching us hard work. He's been teaching us that we're a people that carry his presence wherever we go. But what you see is after he taught those lessons to the Israelites, he said, but I'm going to give you a place. There's going to be a place where you land, a place to rest, a place where you're not going to be disturbed anymore, a place where you can plant and forever establish my kingdom and praise my name. And today, it's my privilege to tell you, church, that God has given us a piece of land. That's the big announcement. Praise God. And let me just tell you, it's exceedingly and abundantly more. And I can think of a lot. It's, a, it's more than I would have dreamed of. Let me tell you the story about it. Let me tell you the God story. You know, I, Eight and a half years in, it was getting bad. <laughs> a lot of you were with us. We were at Horace Mann Middle School, and they just kept tearing down more and more rooms. And so if you had your children and children's ministry, we had them all crammed into the library. Bless you if you endured those times with us. Thank you so much for being patient. They started chopping down all the trees to build other buildings. We started calling it the Orc Garden from Lord of the Rings. The orcs, orcs come in and just destroy and decimate. That's what it started looking like. It was so hot in there, and we lost our parking lot. And I just started crying out, God, you've got to do something. Like, God, this is your church. Remember, you're the one who said this and called this and thought of this, and we just need a home, please, Lord. And we went off on a personal retreat, and to just pray and seek God. And the, and the thing I sensed from God was pull together a team of church members and staff people and believe that in the next 18 months, I'll give you your permanent home. And that was like a mind-boggling thing because we've been looking for years. I mean, people had been searching and it was just so hard to find. So we hire who was known as the best realtor for churches in Southern California. And this gentleman helps us look for months and he finally says, hey, what you're looking for, because we had given him, them, him these, these 
things that we were looking for, these different benchmarks. And he said, what you're looking for just doesn't exist. That's impossible. So he moved off from working from us. And we just kept crying out, God, you've got to do something. And one day I'm asking a pastor in town, a pastor friend of mine, just saying, hey, please pray for us because it's getting really rough. And he said, you know, I actually was just sent something with a, a sketch up of putting a church on a piece of land right in your area. Would you like to see it? I'm like, would I like to see it? So we sent it over. And, and, and let me just mention for a moment, this has been one of our values to partner with the body of Christ. Like we're one big spiritual family as the body of Christ. And as we've done that, God's just poured out favor on us. As we bless other churches, they bless us. And so I get this and I'm looking at it. And here's what we had believed for. Five to six acres place for 300 to 350 parking spots, a place that we could build a almost up to 1,000-seat auditorium, a place where we could have numerous children's rooms, a place where we could, we could impact the city that was in our target area because we didn't want to move. Our target area, we've always said, was from the 15 to the 125, from below the 52 freeway up from the 94. It's one of the most unreached places. We just had a consultant come in who was working with our church, helping us see our blind spots, and they did this statistical research only 0.5% of people are involved in any kind of religious organization in our area. Guys, that's in juxtaposed to areas in America where there's 65% of people going to religious organizations. 0.5. So we said, we can't leave this area. We want to be a light in this area. And so when we saw this, we thought, oh my goodness, this is totally possible. And so we called to, to see if we could make a bid for it. And they said, so sorry, all the bids have already come in. And we're not talking to churches. We're only talking to real estate developers. Oh. And then miracle number two. An anonymous giver says, we'll get in. We didn't ask them. We'll get in and we'll buy the property on your behalf. They call, the, the owners that are selling it say, well, this is the bid. They actually told them how much their other bid was. So they just said, well, we'll give more. We'll put $500,000 down. What? Yeah. <laughs> now, here's why, here's why I could never tell you about it. You can understand, this is a virgin piece of property in the heart of San Diego. So somehow God kept a piece of property unbuilt for like, a hundred years. Now, it's because there's complications on it. So for a year, we were just, you know, praying our little hearts out, going, God, you've got to do something. And one by one, everything happened. And within a year, by December 30, uh, 21st, we owned 5.6 acres. My, and my ultimate dream was, it to be, was for it to be on a highway so that the city could see, because there's very few churches on highways in San Diego, and it's on a highway. So I want to show you a little video sharing the story and showing you what this looks like. So come on. In every person's heart, there's this desire to be a part of something bigger than just our own little life. Like we, we wanna do something 
that's big. We want to do something that's lasting. We want to do something that's enduring for generations. So I was in my bedroom in Texas and just asking the Lord, okay, are we on track with what you're telling us to do? And I feel like God says, you're called a church planting. And I thought, okay, great, that's what we're doing in San Diego, California. I go downstairs and tell Steph, like, I think God just called us to San Diego, California. And she ends up going, woohoo. So we sold our house and packed up our stuff. And then the moving truck says, okay, what's the address to go to? And I said, San Diego. So this is where I stayed that first night. We drove into town and I get here and I'm overlooking these two adult entertainment shops. And I'm just thinking, what in the world? We don't have anyone with this. Our team hasn't landed yet. We don't know anyone in San Diego. We haven't found a place to live. And I'm going, God, what did we just do? And I, I feel alone. I feel overwhelmed. My family's asleep in bed. And I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, you guys will get to see the greatest revival that this city has ever seen. And man, in that moment, I just break down. I start weeping and to say, God, it's all worth it if we get to see you move. Yeah, so 10 years ago, this is where it all started. This is the house, like six houses from San Diego State Campus and this humble beginning of gathering students from the state campus and, and bringing in street kids and homeless from City Heights. And we were all just meeting in that living room and it just started growing and growing and growing. And soon different students in these different homes were coming to know Jesus. Like in that home, every single one of the students that was living there came to know Jesus and it changed from the biggest keg party house to an all people's life. It was just amazing what we were seeing until we finally outgrew and then had to start searching for a public place to meet. I have this sign in my house that says, home is where your story begins. And that's really what happened in the beginning days of the church. People would come into our home and we'd have people for dinner night after night. I remember just about 14 nights straight of just people eating around our table. You know, our desire was from the start, people would see Jesus. So think about how many hours we spent here in Rosa Parks and City Heights, doing the drama, doing the dance, gathering these people, praying for the sick. Man, we've had amazing times here. And it was always just our heart that we thought that Jesus wanted us to preach good news to the poor and to bring everyone into that. It's been amazing. Probably the most beautiful part of the church is seeing people's lives be absolutely transformed. It's not a religion. It's not a just a church service that someone comes to once a week. It's a lifestyle. If this gospel has gotten a hold of you, you can't hold it in. And you're on this crazy adventure of taking it into unreached places and getting to partner with him to see lives transformed and walls come down and addictions broken off and seeing his kingdom come on earth just like the disciples did in the book of Acts. It's just this incredible privilege that we get to be a part of. We've always had this desire, God, give us a place that's our own. Give us a place where we can be a light to this city. 
and then a light to this region, and ultimately a light to the nations. Today, we're getting to announce that we have the unprecedented opportunity to build a facility on a highway to be a light to the city that is going to outlast us. I mean, I just think this structure is gonna be there for generations to see like God is being worshiped in the heart of San Diego. When people are in the greatest storms of their life, they wanna know where the lighthouse is and we get to be a light on a hill for people in their greatest, darkest hour. This project that we're doing is going to be a launching pad for transformation, not just for a neighborhood, not just for a city, although those things are so important, not just for a region, not just for the nation, but the nations of the world. God has given us this global mandate to take the gospel here, there, and everywhere. I can't think of a greater thing to give our finances to, our time to, our prayers to, than establishing a 24-7 home, a beachhead of light to a city and light to the nations. And I just want to ask you, will you give your best? Will you bring what you have to establish a place where the kingdom of God is advancing on earth just like it is in heaven that is our desire that's our mandate that's our calling and that's what we're believing is going to happen through this project come on anyone else emotional i think i got something in my eye during that that video wow well it, if you didn't get it, all those pictures uh, and the footage of the land where Steph and I are walking, that's our land. So let me just show you the map real quick. So here's the city of San Diego, 8 Freeway right here. We're right there on the 8 Freeway. Here's a close-up look. This is the 8 Freeway. That's College Avenue, mile and a half that way. We're directly across from San Diego State campus. So I, I saw... I so wanted to tell you when we were meeting at San Diego State, because you could like throw a stone and hit it if you had a really good arm, but <laughs> just right across the freeway right there, God has done exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have asked for. He's opened up so many miraculous doors to put us there, and, and let me just jump back in for a second. First Kings 5, we, we, we want to just be right in line with Scripture, and we're always reading and saying, God, lead us through this journey. It says this, King Solomon raised a workforce of 30,000 men from all over Israel. He sent them in shifts of 10,000 each month to the Lebanon forest. They would work a month in Lebanon and then be out of the home to, back at home for two months. Adoniam was in charge of the work crew. We're going to need a big work crew for this, guys. Solomon also had 70,000 unskilled workers. You might think, well, what could I do? No, we need unskilled people too. Unskilled workers and another 80,000 stonecutters up in the hills plus 3,300 foremen. That's all these leaders managing the project and supervising the work crews. Following the king's orders, they quarried huge blocks of the best stone, dressed stone for the foundation of the temple. Here's what I see. 
a project like this isn't just about one person or it's not just about a small group. It takes a generation. And you saw that David had it in his heart to build the temple and God said, you did well. Like when, when we have something like this in our heart, God sees that and says, I'm so proud of you. But then Solomon was the part of that chosen generation to actually build something for the Lord, for the nations to see, and for generations to experience his presence. Can I just tell you, you're the generation that gets to build something in this unreached area for the city to look and say, Jesus Christ is alive and well in San Diego, California. Like what? What a privilege that God has chosen us to be a part of this. And can I just tell you, if you've been apart from 10 years from when we started, to, or if you've been apart for a year, if you've been apart for a day, this is about the body of Christ. Even if you're not a part of this church, can I just tell you when one church wins, we all win. Because we're one big family. This is a huge victory for the body of Christ to be able to build a church on a freeway to lift a banner for the name of Jesus. So I, I want Kendall to come and tell us about how we can all be involved in the next months as we launch this today. You guys excited about what God's doing? Well, I really want to honor Robert and Stephanie for their faith, leadership. Come on, guys. And also my parents, they're in town from Texas. Love you, Mom and Dad. Come on. I'm so excited about the Light Project, and I think about this opportunity that I had to move out to San Diego and see God establish a church and see him establish something that was going to bless many people. And the reason I'm excited about this project for us here in this room today is because now we all get that opportunity. Yes. We all get this amazing opportunity from God to build something that's going to outlast us Amen. and that's going to transform many lives. And so we are all the Light Project team. And what, what I love about this idea of what God's inviting us into is this is so much more than just a building project or a building campaign. This is a spiritual journey that our church is going to be going through for the next years as God is calling us to be a light to the city. Like Robert mentioned, this is an unreached area. There's some countries that have more Christians than this area. And we're going to get to change that by establishing a beachhead for the presence of God. Amen? This, this is a, a place that's going to serve as our home for our 24-hour ministry, for prayer, for church planning as we move all over the world and spread the goodness of God. And this is going to be something that's going to be set up for generations. This isn't just for us. This is for our children, our children's children, for them to have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And, and God's going to be preparing us. And, and so we have a little brochure we're going to pass out now that's going to introduce you to the project of ushers and staff. If you could do that quickly, please, because I'm going to explain that this light project is actually going to be divided into some different phases. And as we journey together through this project, we're going to be some experiencing some different phases for the next season. So first of all, phase one, that's today, the announcement. Woohoo! <laughs> we bought some land. God has provided for us. We're excited. Phase two, I want to talk to you about phase two because this is, this is something that's really critical for us in this season of our church. The last two years, God has been doing an amazing work of health and establishment in this church family. 
I just think about all the different messages, all the different journeys, the different people that have come in and are now serving and leading in this church. It, it's really been an amazing season. And so before we embark upon this thought of a large building campaign in the fall, we have felt led from God to spend the next five to six months strengthening the foundation of this church and really saying, okay, God, you've been bringing us through an incredible season of an establishment, and we want to finish that season as we prepare for what's next, something to build on for the future. And so what, what does that look like? Just beyond a building campaign, it looks like prayer. You guys know, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers are going to build it in vain, right? This whole project has come, as we've been praying for over a year, believing God for the miraculous, Psalm 128. And so we need prayer. And so a lot of us, this is going to be where we start contributing right now. Our next step is going to be we are believing God for 100 new intercessors to pray for the ministry and the work of this church and the community and actually commit to coming to our monthly prayer meetings. And, you know, kids get sick and things happen, but where you're saying, hey, I'm an intercessor for this church. This is my commitment. You know, uh, the, the next group of people we're calling into now leadership is people that are serving. And this church is a church of hard work. I don't know if you've ever been to an all-people's church wedding, but at the end, everyone starts kind of moving around like little worker bees or ants. They start setting up chairs because we've done it for years, right? Um, maybe we can bring in our own air conditioning. I don't know, but our staff is hardworking. We, uh, I remember a few years ago, we had an office on Elkhorn Boulevard. We didn't have a place for staff meetings, so we met in a garage, and we o- opened the door halfway so we'd have some airflow. So we have a hardworking staff. We have a hardworking culture here for our church. We want to keep that. And... This is why, because hard work and serving is how movements get started. And God has not called us just to be a little church in San Diego, but a movement that reaches the nations. That's the kind of church this is. And so we've got to serve. And so a hundred of us, we're going to say in the next season, you know, I'm committing to serve monthly in one of the ministries of this church. Finally, tithing. You know, giving to a building campaign is exciting, but what, what I feel in my heart, and I think the way God's leading us, and as we've gotten counsel from other leaders in the body of Christ, is there's a lot of us in our own discipleship journey that need to cross that line and say, hey, I'm going to steward God's resources every month, how God's calling me to, and I'm going to start tithing to the ministry of the Lord and the local church. And here's why I'm excited about that, because as we start tithing, as we start making that commitment to give 10% of our income, we are going to become a strong church, because a strong church is a generous church. And I'm excited for you because as you do that, there's different blessings and promises scripturally that open up over our lives. So we're actually believing for 100 new individuals or families to commit to tithing in this next season. That's going to allow us to really strengthen our work in the community, doing things like Joel was talking about the offering, reaching schools and different things before we even move into this building campaign. So phase two, that's the foundation phase. That's going to start on Sunday, May 6th in two weeks. We're going to start talking about that prayerfully, committing our time and our energy and our resources to that. And that's going to go for a number of months. And in the fall, we're going to start that fundraising phase, phase three. That's going to be raising funds for the building, that campaign of we're believing God to provide the resources needed to build this amazing space for his glory. And then eventually, as funds come in and permits are signed and we're able to get on the land all together, we'll have a groundbreaking, and that'll just be amazing. We'll be able to be in that spot where the sanctuary is going to be, where you saw Robert and Steph walking just right below that, and lay, lay our hands on the dirt and call down the presence of God, and that's going to be an amazing memory in all of our lives. And then after that, there'll be a completion. A few years from now, there'll be a building that will remain for generations. But 
what I'm excited about is after that building is built and we're in it, and you know, it's kind of like, what's next? What's after the light project? It's we've become light. We've become a light to this city. We've become a light to the nations. We have established a light for generations because of what God has done in our hearts through this journey. So we're excited to invite you into the Light Project. Some of you may actually want to, during phase two, do all three. Say, I want to give, I want to serve, I want to pray. That'd be great. You can contribute that way. And we have a little website that you can go to. Right now, it's the brochure you've received. It's on the website. But we'll be updating that with more material. The video we showed will be on there. And you can contact us on there as well. We're excited for the Light Project. Robert? Come on. Awesome. Kendall's done a great job. In detailing this out, he'll be heading up the development and financial side of it. So if you have questions, you can contact him, and he'd love to answer them for you. Joel will be our point person for the actual building of the project and the liaison with the builder, so you can talk to him as well. Let me just land the plane here. Looking on in 1 Kings 6, it says this, The word of God came to Solomon, saying, About this temple you're building, what's important is that you live the way I've set out for you and do what I tell you, following my instructions carefully and obediently. Then I'll complete in you the promise I made to David, your father. I'll personally take up my residence among the Israelites. I won't desert my people, Israel. You know, we're the church. A a building is not the church. It's gonna be a place to, to house all that God's doing, but we're the church, and it's always most important of how we're living before God. Because why? Because God wants to personally take up residence with his people. God loves to be with you. God loves to be with us as a family, and that's what this church has always been about. We've been about Jesus. You know, God gave us a mandate when we started, and it's never changed. Luke 4, 18 and 19 says this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And can I just tell you that we see the light project and we see owning this land and and building a, a facility to honor God as a way to just enhance all of this. The spirit of the Lord is on me. You know, people are looking for a place they can go where they encounter the living God. Not just do religion. But they can have a power encounter where the supernatural is moving. I hear about people driving and going on pilgrimages to go to places like that. I can't wait to have our own. And then it says to preach good news. You guys know that we're about the bold proclamation of the gospel. When we preach the gospel, people are saved. By God's grace, through these last 10 years, we've seen thousands of people come to know Jesus. But what we're excited about is we believe in the next 50 years, we're going to see hundreds of thousands. Like we really believe this. Hundreds of thousands. Do you know 280,000 people are driving by our property every day? That's almost a quarter of the population of the city limits of San Diego. And as they look up and see, this is a place I can go and hear the good news. Then it says, to the poor. The poor are like God's smallest children. It's not like that he loves them more, but you pay a special attention and, and you protect and you keep your eyes on your smallest kid. If you're a parent, you know that. And we've always wanted to be a church that cares for the poor, loves the poor, and empowers them and lifts them into their God-given purpose and destiny. And we're just going to increase that. In fact, we're not going to take our eyes off City Heights. We're going to keep a presence in City Heights. And on Tuesday, our staff is going to the Dream Center, some of you have heard of it, in Los Angeles, to study how they're transforming the inner city of Los Angeles so we can take it to the next level.
to preach good news to the poor, to set the prisoner free. Freedom has been such a, a big facet of our ministry, and I just can't wait to have a place where people know, hey, I can go and get free from my alcoholism. I can get free from my drug addiction. I can get free from the pain. I'm, I'm suicidal. Well, maybe there's a beacon of light to go to, to set the prisoner free, to recovery of sight for the blind. Physical healing, we want this place to be a house of healing. We've had so many dramatic miracles through the years, so many documented, medically verified miracles, but we're believing for more. We're believing for a place where people can know, I'm in my most desperate physical place, but I've heard there's hope there. Then it says to set the oppressed free. God's called us, he's given us a mandate to take the gospel to the oppressed nations where Jesus isn't known and people are living in darkness and in bondage. I'm so excited to have a place that we can have room for our training, our training schools, and for the first time ever, we'll have a 24-7 prayer room so that there can be continual prayer going up to fuel our ministry that's going on in nations around the world. Well, while people are working, that even in the middle of the night, people are praying back in San Diego and praying for revival in this awesome region. And then lastly, it says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'm so excited to have a a place where kids want to go and they just say, Jesus is the most fun thing in the world. Where youth are coming, you probably saw on that plan, we're going to have a gym there for youth to not just get instructed, but also to play. And for youth to go, this is the most fun place, most exciting place. I'm excited for college students. They're going to be able to just walk across the bridge if you're at state. And, um, for, but all the other colleges in the city will be able to see it so clearly and we'll get to host them. I'm excited for singles to come and just know, oh, I can just lavish in the Father's love here and maybe see another single that's doing the same thing. <laughs> or maybe you want to stay single and you can just get more of God's love. <laughs> for marriages to come and say there's hope for my, my marriage and to hear so many of your testimonies where your marriage has been put back together. And then the experience what so many have in this church of marriage being made God's way and families getting trained and equipped and, and becoming a light to the city. I'm so excited about a place for the favor of God where people can see a light on a hill and say, I hear that Jesus is alive and well and moving in that place. That's our heart. That's our dream. And we need you to be a part. And I can guarantee you, as you jump in, you're going to get to heaven and not be sad that you gave your time and your, that was powerful. I don't think we'll ever regret what we did to make a place for God's name to be great, for God's presence to rest, for the transformation of the city and this region. So you excited? Listen to this last verse. This last verse. Then the priest, this is back in 1 Kings, the priest then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place. This is after the temple's constructed. And put it underneath the wings of the cherubim. Listen to verse 10. When the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priest could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. We're calling it the light project because we're believing for the glory of the Lord 
to fill the place. We've already had testimonies like that through the years. I was talking to someone at the end of this week, and they said, I walked into your foyer before coming into service, and I just started crying. And I said, what is that? God is here. So then I just cried through the whole service. I had never experienced anything like that. God's transforming my life. Can I just tell you that God wants to take it to the next level? The glory of God filling a place and bringing light to a region. I'm believing for it. Why don't you stand up with me? And this is how I want to end our time today. This has only happened as we partnered with God in prayer. I want to start by telling God, thank you. So the sign, the universal sign for victory is this. The universal sign for surrender is this. And the universal sign for, I'm in, pick me, is this. So can we all just lift our hands right now? The Bible says lifting holy hands. And can we just say a big thank you? Can you just yell out, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving something so amazing, exceedingly and abundantly more. And now will you just pray that God will do his whole work? It's going to take many more miracles. We need much more favor with the city and with the neighbors. We need the favor of of millions of dollars coming in. We need breakthroughs. God, won't you do your work so that your name would be lifted high, so that the countless souls that don't know you would come to know a good and loving God. We ask, God, that you do something so powerful. And lastly, just as your hands are up, would you just say, God, I'm in. Whatever degree he's calling you, would you just say yes to it? Because I can guarantee you he has your best in mind. Let's just sing this last song. Just saying, God, we believe in you. You're the God of miracles. You've done miracles. We need you to do more. We trust in you.